You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, for me, one of the things from, you know, Sunday that I picked, and um, I think it's important to remind ourselves of, he made it in passing, but he talked about his office, where some persons asked him, where is the East? Now, for someone to ask you, where is the East? means he expects you to know the direction he should pray. Praise the Lord. For someone to ask you, where is the East? means that, you know, he can't read your flavor. And, you know, this is Pastor Chris, we are talking about his office. But you see, we all have run into several people who didn't know where we were. You know, I mean, for instance, now, I think I'm not a lady, but I think if I'm a lady, there's a way somebody will talk to me. I will feel insulted, not by the person. I will go back and check my consecration and sanctification. Because the anointing, the presence of God I carry should, you know, carry an aura around me that will make you respect me. Praise the Lord. So I saw in that that in the spirit, there is no neutral position. Praise the Lord. You know, the word secular is a very dangerous word. We think it just means neutral. No, it means ignore God. When the Bible talks about Esau being a profane man, That word was secular. It meant Esau did not care about the things of God. What did he say? He said, what is birthright to me? I'm hungry. He had made a choice. There is no neutrality in spiritual matters. You know, a lot of us, we try to be as neutral in our businesses, in our neighborhoods, you know, in different places that life throws us. We just want to be nice, you know, easygoing, that friendly, that has no stand. You are never really without a stand. If you don't make a stand, they put you on a stand. That's how come they could say to Pastor Chris, where is the East? You lodge in some hotels, you see that mark where it tells them where the East is. Because they presume that, ah, you should know where we're praying to. Are you not one of us or what? You know, however they may have interpreted it. But, you know, he said that shocked him. And from then, he consciously, you know, took it upon himself to declare his stand. And now they don't do it. When it's time, they drive out of the environment, knowing that their prayers here will be hindered by this man here. That's where we must get to. Praise the Lord. Where our witnessing is so strong that even if they don't submit, they respect. Praise the Lord. In business, there are some things that, you know, you should grow to the place where people are having a conversation. When you come in, they stop. And you ask them what they say, I beg, you know. They know you can't hear such things. In fact, there are some stories and some rumors and some things that if people still call you to tell you, you need to go higher. Praise the Lord, somebody. Because it means they have not seen you in the spirit, you know, set apart enough. They still see you as someone that they can bring this kind of story to. They still see you as someone that they can bring this kind of rumor to. There are things that they must not feel comfortable telling you because they know your stand. They already know what you will respond. Praise the Lord. So that's one of the things I picked out. There is no neutral position. 
in spiritual matters. When you're neutral, you're already out. You're either going up or you're going down. So this evening, I want us to move and just um, take it from the Romans 12. One. Let's read the passage again, just verse 1 he read for us. He says, let's read together. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Praise the Lord. You know, Paul, we understand, attained the status of a lawyer. So he spoke here like a lawyer, making a submission. And from Romans chapter 1, he had told us about the depraved world, the depravity of man, the condemnation of man, the anger of God, you know, on the world and on sin and all of that. And then he went on to begin to tell us what Christ did and tell us the message, the sacrifice, the redemption, and the work of the Spirit, you know. So when he came to this verse, he was telling us that all I've been telling you is to bring you to a place of a turnaround where you make a choice, where you make a decision. And this decision, note here, he says, I beg you. Please, you can, you know, just flash any other translation so we can see. That word, I beseech you, says, I implore you. I plead with you. I'm asking you. I'm strongly advising you. You know, that this is what, praise the Lord. He says, I appeal to you. Thank you. Another one. I appeal to you. I plead with you. Are you seeing the different ways? He's telling us why. He's not commanding us. Are you with me? He's not commanding us. I command you where you will not understand, where I want you to just do. But here Paul is saying, I advise you. I implore you. I beg you. And then he didn't stop there. He says, because of all he has done. So for me, what held me in that place is, I began to see from that scripture that, that what Paul was saying could not be understood if the mercies of God are not valued. Because everything he was saying there was a function of the mercies of God. So if he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, present your bodies, we lose everything. Because he's just begging me, why? Why should I? But he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, because of the mercies of God. So it's like a, a mopo, you know, arresting somebody and saying, okay, follow me. I beg you, God, follow me. You see, that I beg you is not that he's begging. He's begging you not to create more trouble for yourself. Do you understand? So when he says, I beseech you therefore by the message, everything is standing on the appreciation, on the understanding of God's message. Are you with me? That is what differentiates your service from your service, from your service, from your service, from your service. It is how much I appreciate and value the message of God. That's what differentiates us. So my devotion, he says here, by the message of God, that you present your body. So I can be presenting 5% of my body. It's because I can only measure, I'm only appreciative of 5% of his message. That's what I see. And, you know, preparing for this, I, I saw that there's a, some difference between indebtedness. A lot of people understand, you know, God is good. God has done so many things for them. So there's a sense of indebtedness to God. 
But they say that indebtedness does not imply eagerness to show appreciation. It just means I'm indebted. Okay? But when it says gratitude, gratitude is consciously looking for how to what? Pay back what has been done. And that is what I see there as an issue. And God helping us, you know, we want to pray because I think it's only by prayer that we can understand that. Pray that our eyes will be opened to the mercies of God towards us individually. Praise the Lord. You know, you can sit down and know why A or B or C should serve God. Why? Because God has been what? Good to him or good to her. But that won't help you. Because until you see how God has been good to who? To me. That is when, you know, someone like David can say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go. If not, it will be your husband dragging you, or your wife dragging you, or your parents dragging you, or your children dragging you. Daddy, let's go to church. Children, let's go to church. You know, neighbor, let's go to church. Because you're seeing it that God is their God. You're still at the point of Saul where he said to Samuel, you see, okay, tell your God this. But when you see God's mercies for you, you get to the point where you will present your body. Are you with me? You will present your body. And I'm very happy we're looking at this now because, you know, we're in Nigeria. And it's so easy to understand it. We live in a country, you know, where every businessman here understands what we're talking about. How many of us do businesses with, especially government institutions? And you can tell me that you finish business from there, wave them goodbye until the next bid comes. Who does that in Nigeria? Who does that? You don't do that. Praise the Lord. No matter how you qualified for the job, no matter how excellently you deliver the job, no matter what happens, you just don't do that because you know that if you do that, you will never get a job there again. Am I right? Now, that is what Paul was saying here. He says, I beg you, because of the message, because of God's goodness to you, because of God's favorable disposition, kindness, things he has done for you, that you should now do what? Present, give him your 100%. That's what he's saying. And he concluded that verse by saying what? Is your reasonable? <laughs> Is your what? Reasonable. Your reasonable service. That's what he concluded it as. You know, Paul speaking, you know, in a similar vein, 2 Corinthians 5. This is the way he put it, 14. It says, for the love of what? Christ. What does he do? He says, for the love of Christ compels us. Because what do we do? We judge thus. Now, when you see that word judge, judge is private. So you realize that maybe you have siblings or colleagues or children or something or friends or whatever. You can gather your friends or maybe your siblings or whatever and give everybody the same amount of favor. And one person just waves and moves. Another person says thank you. Then gets some, sends you a text. And then after three days, calls you and says thank you. The same thing you did for all of them. But for one, they judge it. Ah, why shouldn't you do it? Another person judges. it. Ah, you tried it. Another person judges, but you should have even done better. Are <laughs> you seeing it now? We judge thus. So when I look at my life and my worship and devotion to God, 
It's a measure of my judgment. It's not a measure of God. God is. Praise the Lord. God what? God is. God is. God is good to all. For God so loved the world. God is. Okay? But your response, my response, is now an outflow of what I sit down and say to myself. This God is worthy of my devotion. It's a judgment matter. And that's where the men are separated from the boys. It's a judgment matter. And you know, I want you to see, that's why I say, please, if I forget, remind me. We have to pray that our eyes be opened. This is what separates us in our Christian journey. This is what determines how far a man will go. This is what determines how solid a person will be as a Christian. I think I say this all the time, but maybe in different ways. It is your gratitude, your appreciation of what was done. Because you see, when you came into the faith, the Bible uses so many things. It says we're dead in our trespasses. Now, imagine if you go to the mortuary now, and somebody is there, you know, frozen, and you tap the body and wake the body up, and the body comes out, and you give the body a suit to wear, give the body a car to drive, give the body a house to live in, give the body a big office to run. Can the body, like her brother reminded us, tell us, please, these your meetings are too much. I have some old school class meetings. It's jamming with it. If the body says that to you, what are you going to think? You know where I got you from? Do you understand? But that's what we say to him. If we understand salvation, that's what we say to him. One of the things I want to beg you to do is, you know, as often as possible in your prayer and in your fellowship with God, remember your salvation. Remember that hour. Remember that day. Or remember the season. Some of us may not be able to pick a particular time. Just remember where he took you from. Because, you see, if you understand that, you begin to see how everything flows in. Okay, let me take it another way. Jesus is what to us? He is Savior and he is what? Lord. Somebody said, and I agree with him, he said Jesus being Savior is automatic. In the sense that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? He sent his only begotten son, that whosoever. So whether you believed in him or not, he has saved you. But whether you come into it, right? So he's completed, you know, the Savior part. Now, he says, when you now accept him, when you believe in him, what you do is that you accept him as what? As Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus is the Savior of all men. The Bible even says that. But the difference for me and for you is not just that Jesus is our Savior, is that he has become what? Lord. Thank you. Call for yourself. Now, let me go to the other part now. If Jesus is my Lord, what am I to him? I'm his slave. If Jesus is my Lord, I'm his possession. I'm his slave. So imagine now your possession. We're looking very nice here. Yeah? You know? Imagine even just your hair for those who still have hair. You go to the Baba and you say, Baba, bad me Mohawk. Hair says, No, it's Shalama. How many of us know Shalama? <laughs> you know? Hair says, I don't. What are you going to do with that hair? You know? You open your wardrobe. You want to wear a jacket. And the jacket says, no, you can't wear me today. You want to put your hand. It's closing. He says, no, I don't feel like it today. No. I get him what I'm saying. It's your own. We have become his own. Our brother talked about struggling. We struggle because we forget that he is Lord. 
He is Lord. And he being Lord gives him authority. But you know what? Because you can hear that now and say, ah, this is difficult. But let me tell you what it is. Because that was what the Holy Spirit, you know, means that to me. When that, you know, understanding came to me. You see, I am slave to Jesus. Somebody say I'm slave to Jesus. I'm a slave to Jesus. But now, do you know the beautiful thing about this slavery? You see, to myself, I try to be best. Assuming I were not a slave. I want to be as good to myself as possible, right? Now, but in being Jesus' slave, I have lost authority over my life. To become slave to somebody who loves me more than me. Who wants my good more than me. Who can take care of me more than me. So it's a slave that I'm a slave to that gives me joy being a slave. I get in it now. So it's not an unwilling, struggling slave. No, I see that this master that I have is a better master to me than I would have been to me. Praise God. So that's how come men like Paul will be told, whoever has this ghetto, you know, I prophesy, if he goes to Jerusalem, they're going to bind him and beat him and do all of this. What did he say? He said, ah, you came late. Because the person who has that ghetto has become a slave of what? Jesus Christ. And whatever he finds in the curse of his devotion or service of this Jesus, he said it must be a good thing. Praise the Lord, somebody. So he didn't count it anything. So when he was saying, he says, the love of Christ constrains me. He's saying the love he has for me, the love Jesus has for me, and that is Christianity. Christianity is founded on God's love for us. That's the first arm. That's the foundation. I mean, there's the power of God. God is the creator of all things, you know, maker of all things. Wonderful. But greater than that is that this creator of all things loves you. He loves me. And he has demonstrated that love. And he's demonstrating that love. And he'll continue to demonstrate that love. Praise the Lord. So the Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Verse 18 says what? In everything, what do we do? We give thanks. Why? It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, I read it somewhere which brought it out. It says, this is what Jesus said you should do in every situation. Praise the Lord. In everything, what should I do? Okay. Now, Oduayo, I've improved on the name. eh? You send your driver... Or your staff on an errand and he goes to submit a bid and then he gets there for some reason, maybe he's late and then he's not able to submit the bid. But he had told him the previous day that anything that happens, just be giving me thanks, just be waving. Ah, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And then he gets there and he's not able to submit the bid. What does he do? What should he do? He couldn't submit the bid. So it should be what? <laughs> eh? <laughs> now follow me praise the lord do you know why and how he could be able to do that because if he believes that this my ogre, he gets sense maybe that bead now why your bead maybe there is something about that thing he must trust in his superior wisdom that even though this circumstance or situation looks like a failure there must be something That he will walk out of it. That will bring good. So Jesus says, in everything, what should you do? He said, give me thanks. He's saying, I'm never caught on our way. 
you are my slave or you're my servant or you're my son. You are never what? Caught on a ways. That's what he's saying. It's from a position of ownership. He's saying, I take responsibility for your life. Whatever happens, thank me. You're never caught on a ways. From the moment you became my own, I've owned you. Praise the Lord. It goes well with you, it's me. It doesn't go well with you, it's me. But when it goes well, you know, you automatically... But even when it doesn't go well, he says, just know that your owner, the one who has ultimate responsibility for the glory and the lifting of your head, says it is good. For this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Why? He is responsible for us. He's not saying you did well. He's saying I can handle it. Praise the Lord, somebody. So he goes on, he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That's very important. He now says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. 24, he says, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Now, this brings me to the second part. So, I want us to have a two-sided view tonight. The foundation of progress and enjoyment of the Christian faith is gratitude. Where, what he has done. What he has done for me. And what he has done for me. Now, there's a part that many of us miss. Which is what this passage is saying. He said, he who calls you is faithful. Another passage that brings it aptly says, he who began the good work in you is faithful that's how some you know passages some will say will be faithful is faithful to perform it until what the very end so now gratitude starts you gratitude is at the back but what pushes you on is that this god you are involved in is too good is too able is too loaded are you with me that whatever he has begun in your life He's able to what? Perfect it. So now, you have those two anchors. You cannot be stopped. Is someone with me tonight? You have those two anchors. Gratitude on this side. A confident faith. Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37, 3 to 5. He said, trust in the Lord and what? Do good. Dwell in the land and feed on what? You see, if I'm a Christian and I don't feed on God's faithfulness, I will... Um, What's that condition of somebody not eating? I will starve and then I will emanate. Do you understand? If I don't feed on his faithfulness, praise the Lord. What did he say? He said, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land. What should you feed on? What is his faithfulness talking about? His faithfulness is talking about your future. So my past is good. And I look to my future. And I see if Jesus starries, my children's children are blessed because of my service. My generation to come up are blessed. My old age is blessed. You see, no matter the uncertainty in the world, his faithfulness assures me. He says, say it to the righteous world. It is well. On Sunday, I was driving home with Momichi, and we saw a couple. This man and this woman can be less than 70. You can hear me, right? So they won't be less than 70. And this was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And you see them going home. Obviously, 
That man and that woman, either the man is an usher and the woman is choir. From the way they were dressed, you know that these are church workers in their 70s. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, what am I trying to say? You see, it takes a revelation of God's faithfulness not to put your hand on the plow and look back. Are you with me? You watch the television, you see some choirs. You see an old man bent like this, 80 years, still singing her, is it soprano or whatever. You see, those people have come to know that this God, you will follow him for the rest of your life. Are you with me? It's not a God you serve only when you have muscles. It's not a God that you outgrow serving. It's not a God that you run out of steam serving. It's not a God that when your business improves, then your service diminishes. Are you with me? No, no, no. You must know that this God you have begun with has so much ahead of you, much more than is behind you. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, I just look at Christians. I said, you think God is your mate? God is not our mate. He's a big God. Praise the Lord. He's a very big God. He has so much in store. So gratitude sets us up. Gratitude is at our back, you know, and still in our present. But what pushes us ahead is that this God is faithful. You just can't imagine what he has for you tomorrow. Praise the Lord. No, you can't for generations. You see, David was an example for us. Up till today, one of the most popular names is what? David. Jesus, the son of God, is called the son of David. What can a man do for himself that will earn him such, Americans will say notoriety, such lasting popularity? Only God can give it to you. And it's not because he had money. No, it's because he had weight before God. It's because as he served God, he served him more. God made him, you know, he killed the lion and bear. He didn't relax. He killed the giant. He didn't relax. He just kept serving God. When he entered the throne, he didn't sit on the throne and now create idols. When he sat on the throne, he said, Chai, I've done evil. How can I sit in a paneled house? And the ark of the Lord is intense. I must. He never got to the place where he looked and said, what more can God do for me? That's the problem with a lot of people. You see, because all the things that they thought was necessary, God has done it. You don't know God. Are you with me? No, no, no. God has so much. It's a confidence. It keeps pushing you that tomorrow, what God has for your tomorrow is nothing compared. So you keep pressing it. It's like um, those um, Omano Omana, the wonder. But there's a current one that Chimak, thank you. You see, all the people that are caught in all those money doubling things. What is the problem? You do one, they pay you. Abby? They do two, they pay them. They do three, they pay them. They made a lot of money, but they never stop. Even though they're doing them, why you? God knows they do it, why you? Why are you stopping? <laughs> do you understand? Most people that are caught there, they go, go, then they go and borrow money. They say, let them hit it now. And sometimes when they borrow and put, they make, then they now say, ah, they sell property. That's the one that won't come back. <laughs> they keep pushing. Do you understand? So how can it be the creator of the heavens and the earth that will run out of joy? He said, 
with long life will I satisfy you. You see, he's a God that blesses you beyond what drugs, naira, possessions. He made you. He knows how to put a smile. He knows how to put peace. He knows how to put joy. He knows how to put fulfillment. He just knows how to satisfy you. Even just looking at yourself. How many of us are married here? You know, there's some food that I'll be eating. My wife will be saying, oh gosh. And then there's some food she'll be eating. I'll be looking at her saying, what kind of woman is this? You know, recently I discovered that when you put stew in, in salad, I eat salad, stew, and beans. Yes, it's very nice. It's God that made me. But Mommy Chi, don't laugh. Mommy Chi will bring bread eh? and dip inside water. And then I will look at her and say, What? <laughs> you know? So God knows the different things that He just, you know, some of you that are laughing, you know. <laughs> There's a young boy that the parents will give rice and stew. The boy won't eat stew, he will finish the white rice. Just eat white rice. You know, so we're just crazy. But God knows how to satisfy our crazy. Like, do you understand? Gratitude. So trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. What does it say? It said, delight yourself also in the Lord. And what will happen? He will give you. It gets to a point in your walk with God that you sit back and see God giving you the desires of your heart. Praise the Lord, somebody. That is your maker. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Renews your youth like the eagle. But you have to have faith in him. We have an enemy. There is an adversary. He sees the future God has for us. He's enticing us. He's wooing us. He's trying to distract us. So you don't press in. You don't press in. You don't keep to the end. He says, he that believes to the end shall be what? Shall be saved. He said, if, if any draws back, he says, my soul shall not what? Have pleasure in him. Now, how can I have such a God and draw back in serving him? I mean, w- what's the option? Peter said, to whom shall we go? Who we go try? Help me suggest, who we go try? Ah, you know, I've been waiting on God for five years. I've been trusting God for 70 years. Who you go try? You supply something to federal government that own you. Then you can supply to Boko Haram. At least federal government own you is documented. Abby, then you say, no, these people are not paying. Let me go and supply to You don't do that. You must judge him faithful. Praise the Lord. So gratitude. And that is what gives the basis for the statement a few persons have made. And I make the same statement. If God doesn't do anything for me again, he has done enough. Do you understand? He has done enough. I mean, I still have a lot of things I'm trusting God to do. But if he doesn't do... Oh Lord, he has done enough. Do you know the power that it takes to change a man from being a sinner to being consecrated? You know, the other day I had some dealings with, you know, um, somebody in the market. And he sold me something, you know, gave me short of what he should give me. So he refunded what he should have given me. And you know what? As I was leaving, I just sent him the money. It's the spirit of God now. Do you understand? You deal with people... You see, he has come in and changed you. You're not reasoning like an evil man. Do you understand? You're not reasoning normally again. You know that scripture that says, um, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, add to virtue. You know, before the last one, I said godliness. You see, there's a level you get in life 
When people deal with you, it can only be that they dealt with God. Do you understand? Where you are no longer representing you, you're representing God. So people offend you. You don't respond like a man. How does God treat us? He forgives all our... You come to the point where there is no hurt. People don't deserve your kindness. But you find out that your bowels of kindness are still flowing to them. What has happened is that he has brought you to the place of what? Godliness. Your constituency is now God. Do you understand? The things that a man will hear you did and say correct. When you do it, the Holy Spirit will tell you, "Ah, what has happened? You're no longer in the canopy of men. You're now in the canopy of God. So God does all that transforming work. Do you know why? Can I tell you something? If you never thought about that. God is not a kidnapper. People won't go to heaven who don't like the things of heaven. That's the nature in heaven. That's the atmosphere in heaven. Hallelujah. I mean, I like boogie. You understand? That's the atmosphere in hell. Fire. Fire. The roof. The roof. That hell is not the roof that is on fire. The ground. The ground. The ground is on fire. Everywhere is on fire. What happens in heaven? We will dance. But there will be love. You won't see this person and say, I don't want to see his face. Haba, there can't be malice there. So if you're holding malice here, God won't kidnap you to heaven. No. If you don't like praising God here, God won't kidnap you to heaven. If you don't like God's word, that's what you're going to be hearing in heaven always. God will not force anybody to go to heaven. The whole purpose while you're still alive, while I'm still alive, is to grow into the nature of God so that when we get to heaven, we say, ah, it feels like home. God don't take you to heaven and then they're teaching you how to walk in heaven. Because here on earth, you were just so carnal. That's the journey. It's not houses, it's not cars. If he gives you all the houses and cars, when they get to heaven, the only place where they'll find them is the Abuja Environmental. They'll be dung. All the things that men value here will be dung. They won't make heaven. They will have no value. The streets of heaven are gold. That's not the beautiful part. That's this dead part. The treasures of heaven is what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So all of that is what fits you in. That's heaven's suit. Praise the Lord. So for what God has built in you already, you know, we all need, you know, a better house, better car, better job and all of that. We trust God for all of that. But for what he has done, That the blood still speaks for me. That I can know that I sinned against God and then go into his presence and fall on my knees and ask that I be cleansed in the blood and the blood will be available to cleanse me. Brother, how much can I pay for that? You know, how much can I pay for that? That the Holy Spirit of God is still inside of us. Do you know what it means? The Spirit of God is given to me, is given to you, is with you. Those are the riches we have in Christ. Praise the Lord. All those nothing is happening to them. They are given to us already. So when somebody says, if God does nothing, I believe that's what I say. Not that, you know, the jet is enough or the car is enough. No, I believe that the riches that we have been blessed with in Christ, they are more than enough. Praise the Lord, somebody. But we still know. It says, I had not seen. He had not heard, nor has he what? Entered into the heart. What God has prepared. So it keeps pushing us on. Because we know that the wealth and the riches of this God. You see, Lord have mercy on us. Praise the Lord. God is big. Somebody say God is big. 
Now, you know, I don't know whether I say I like movies or I don't like movies. I hate useless movies. If I'm made to watch a movie that doesn't make sense, I feel like beating myself. But I like movies that are, you know, either very funny or very, you know, educative. Okay. So, the best movie you've watched, there are some movies you watch and you don't mind watching them second time, three times, like four times, five times. And, and one of them, there's this movie I like to watch again, The Three Idiots. How many of us have seen that movie? Uh, I think I've seen it only once. I think I'd like to see it again. But m- m- movies like, um, which one will immediately come to mind now? Uh, the Fighting Temptations. How many of us know? I, I think I've watched it up to ten times and uh, maybe I'll be able to watch it another. If I... Do you understand? But I don't think I can watch it every day. Do you understand? It's not that interesting. But God is so interesting that the elders, they say holy. They, wow, holy. Wow, holy. That's how awesome. God's greatness is per second wow. Do you understand? Every breath, they see a dimension. And that's not for a thousand years. That's for eternity. That is the God we have to do with. Somebody lift up your hands and just say, I love you, Lord. I want to see more of you. I want to know you more. What is blinding my eyes? Lord, take away the veil. Let the veil be removed from my eyes. I want us to pray. Take away the veil from my eyes. You are a big God. You are an awesome God. You are a mighty God. The God that the angels, they fall and bow. The 20 and 4 elders, they bow. The four living creatures, they bow. What is this that they see that I'm not seeing? Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. Do you know today, a thought just came to my heart. And he said, the brighter morning star. And he said to me, do you know what it would take for you to stand in the sun? And something brighter than the sun will shine. Have you ever thought about it? When your security lights are on during the day, does it help you? Do you see with it? Useless. But the God we are serving is brighter than the noonday sun. Are you with me? And brethren, in every area, he's super. For everything the world can offer men, God is so much higher. Just the same way. The sun now, even though God created it, it's natural. God created everything in the world. But God is so much brighter than the sun. When the apostles saw him, what did he say? (laughs) You know, John. So tonight, I just want you to be encouraged. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that the issue is you're not seeing well. Because if you see him, what is in this God that men will throw everything and pursue him? That's what I want to see. Because if I'm slacking and I'm feeling a weight to serve God, if I'm feeling pushed to come to God's house, I'm sick. I'm not seeing well. Something is wrong. If I can sit down and imagine that my future, the promise God made to me, is no longer possible because of situations I see today, then it's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I'm talking to. This is the God that called a man and said to a man, in you, all the families of the Edward shall be blessed. (laughs) And you know, for the next 20 years, the man didn't have a child. Listen, God is not a man. If I tell you, Pastor Law, you know, I'm going to get you to Enugu soon. I'll start making plans to get you there quickly. But how can I tell you I'm going to get you to Enugu and start taking you to Niger? 
the opposite direction. It takes the omnipotent God to look at Abraham. When he still had life, he didn't do it. Until his body was as good as dead. Somebody's listening to me. And the conversation and the faith he had with God is as though everything is as good as dead. Dead doesn't dare in the presence of God. God is God. Are you with me? God is what? There is nothing he cannot do. That's what makes people serve him. That's what makes people, you know, they lose themselves to him and in his presence. He's almighty God. Psalm 78. I wanted to talk about him bringing water. You know, the people needed water. God looked at, where is he going to give them water from? He spoke to a rock. Haba. Do I have a geologist in the house? The driest part. He said, okay, out of that I bring forth rock. I bring forth water. That is the God we serve. Is your life like rock? God can bring waters. Waters of life. Waters of joy. Just pushing on him. When you see people zealous and crazy and just about God, they are reasonable. What did I say? They are reasonable. They are not out of their minds. It's you and I who are slack and slow that are out of our minds. You can't have such a God. I'm going somewhere. Because we live in a nation where people understand what God is. And part of my prayer and our prayer for this nation is that God said, it says I will judge all the gods that Nigerians have worshipped. You know this thing we're talking here now? You see full-fledged men, professors or chiefs, all of that. Because a man has money or position, they'll lose their sense. Don't we see that? What are they doing? They're looking for what he will do for them. That's all. They know that what they're saying is not true. They know it doesn't make sense. They know it's unreasonable. But they're looking for what he will do. The man is holding something like this, waving for them. The so-called big man is waving something, or the man in power. And you see reasonable men. That's the one that just weakens me. You know, before, we had what we call sycophants. In Igbo, we used to call them otimbos. So when all those people come out, the otimbos follow them. And when you look at the otimbos, they are dropouts, useless men. But today, the otimbos are professors, retired military officers, because somebody is holding something, power. Minister, minister, I go make you minister. I go make you DG. I go make you. And then you see men just, they are throwing off their sense and they are pursuing. Now, if men can follow something that they can't defend, even to their kids like that, why can't you follow God like that? Praise the Lord. Okay, Psalm 78, because of time, let, let me read from 12. It says, marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zion. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the water stand up like heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud. And all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness. And gave them drink in abundance like the deaths. He also brought streams out of the rock. And caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him. By rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. It says, and they tested God in their heart. By asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Look at this people. It says, this is them speaking there. They say, behold. Yes, they struck the rock so that the waters gushed out. Uh-huh, and the streams overflowed. Uh-huh. But can he give bread also? <laughs> can he provide meat for his people? You know, part of what I wrote is, he said, what is the worst, the greatest weakness anybody can have or danger? You know what it is? It's unbelief. 
The greatest weakness is not that somebody is a thief or somebody is a fornicator. Is some, no. The greatest weakness is to be unbelieving. Look at all he did. And these people were saying, yes, he struck the rock and water has gushed out. But can he give bread? Can he give meat? Okay, let's see what happens. 21, the Bible says, therefore the Lord heard what? This, this, this. Limiting what God can do. Don't try it, I beg. If you and I had done it before, let's repent. We must make room in our hearts to settle it that with God, there is nothing impossible. God heard this. And what happened? And was furious. What did he hear? They just said, can he? Can he? Can he? Can he heal? He can heal. He can give a new body part. Praise the Lord. Can he? He was furious. He says, so a fire was kindled against Jacob. So anger also came up against Israel. Why? You see, I like it when the Bible answers our questions. First of all, it says, therefore the Lord heard it. So they told us what he heard. Now they're telling us again. He said, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Let's rise on our feet. I will believe in God. I will trust in his salvation. I will make room for him. I will follow him. I will devote my life to him. I will commit my ways to him. I will trust in him. I will pursue him. I will pursue this God. I will pursue his service. Pastor Chris was ministering to us and was talking about a life of devotion. A life of devotion. Who won't? People are are losing their heads in our country because of some form of reward. You know, our Muslim brothers that they say they're unapologetic about their faith. It's because of the way the nation is. By the grace of God, when justice and righteousness is established in this nation, a lot of Muslims will, will come to Christianity. Because that their faith is not just faith. It's survivor. It's connection. It's job. It's contract. It's business. It's job security. That's what it is. It's not that they truly feel that this, their thing works. No. That's why if you know, if you're close to some of them, when they have real spiritual issues, they come to the Christian. But as per Nigeria, their own is working. As per connection. You know, they just say that thing and then... When they commit an offense, they just meet in where they meet. That's all. Praise the Lord. So God will judge all those false gods that have been exalted in this nation. You know, God of religion, God of, you know, mammon, God of power, where impunity and all of that is rewarded. So men lose their heads. Look at the man from Adamawa. A barrister. He was head of MBA. I mean, but should we be surprised? What about the professor? Why are men doing things like this? Why? Because of some promise that is held. Do you understand? But it's not just at the high level. It's everywhere. You know, when our children were in secondary school, was when we started seeing, you know, you want to put your child in a school. They know that you want a school that teaches them well. So you're looking at their performance in WIAC. It was about that time that school started learning to do expo, not to teach the children. To get expo so that they can say that in this SSC or whatever, they had, you know, 97% AIDS. It's not out of love for your child. It is mammon. And you that you're going there also, it's not also out of love. It is pride. 
My child is an A child. But you ask the child A plus B, the child will say Z. Do you understand? Confusion everywhere. Seeking what cannot pay. But tonight we are saying, Lord, we want the reward that comes from you. We started by saying, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. I want you to pray, Lord, open my eyes to behold your beauty. That's what the psalmist said. He said, I want to go into the house of the Lord to sit and behold the beauty of your house. Lord, I want to behold your beauty. You're more than I think you are. You're more lovely than I think you are. You're more satisfying than I think you are. There is no area that it pays me to be away from you. You are my treasure. We learned at Launch Our Fellowship yesterday that joy is a function of God's presence. It says, in your presence is fullness of joy. So the percentage of joy that I have is measure of my proximity to God. Lord, I want more of you. I want to value you. Open my eyes. The scripture says, by the mercies of God, that what is it? Men are mining deep into the earth to find ore, to find gold, to find diamond. Lord, let me mine for you. Let me sit down and read my Bible that I may encounter you. Let me get up and do things that will be pleasing to you. I want to love you, Lord my God. I want to know you. I want to enjoy you. The song says you're my treasure. Lord, please be my treasure. Be my joy. Open my eyes. I have been blind. Because nothing else can explain my coldness. Or my reactions. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your beauty. I want to know your excellence. I want to see your greatness. Let me be unstoppable. In my zest and zeal for you. Let me be uncontrollable. Let me be besides myself. Whenever it concerns you. You are my God. He's hearing you sir. He's hearing you man. Young man he's hearing you. God will reveal his beauty. You'll find such love. You'll wake up tomorrow morning with a song in your heart. You'll just realize that you read his word and it's sweet. I remember when you just. I will be reading the Bible. And it's as though I'm eating. I'm drinking something. Lord, bring me, oh Lord, to where you are sweet to me. Not a duty, not a chore. He said, delight yourself. In the book of Job, he says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Say, thereby good will come. He says, then you will lay your gold. You know, Father, we thank you. been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www that the father's church online.org God bless you